Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good. And it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. Hey, this is the 30-something movie podcast. It's John and Bo. Bo, how you doing? I'm well, John. How are you? I am excellent. I am excellent. Um, it's been a little bit of a rough start to the school year. Everybody's, I think, feeling a little tired. And if uh, the listeners have noticed, we've been a little off in our scheduling and when episodes get put up and things like that it's it's been a bit of a bit of a rough start to the school year so but um I, we're, we're doing all right tonight i am just happy to be here talking movies with you and i think pat is coming in at some point too uh he had a like a cross-country meet or something like that but as you mentioned a few moments ago it's getting darker so the children probably shouldn't be running i think it would be hard at this point of the evening would yeah. be. unless they're like me and they're running away from something it's the only time i run Mm-hmm. Did we talk about this before, though? Did I, did I tell you or did you tell me the decision now is just even if something's chasing me, I'm not going to run because I know that the speed at which I run, I'm never going to get away? Yeah, it's basically not worth it. So why put yourself through it? Yeah, I think we have uh, gone down that road. Okay. All right. So now it's just it's more of a turn and fight thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. I, I want to make sure I wasn't the only person in on this boat. So. No, no. The, the boat is full. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. All right. Well, before we set sail, I'm talking about, I don't even know why we're talking about sailing because our movie has nothing to do with sailing tonight. Um, but before we set sail, I'm talking about this movie uh, very, very quickly. We spoil stuff. So just be aware of that. If we start to mention a movie you don't want to hear anything about, maybe skip ahead 20, 30 seconds or so on your favorite podcast player. And um, we'll, we'll get on with uh, what we're going to be talking about. We definitely spoil the movie that we're talking about. So if you don't want to know anything about that movie, on that particular episode or this particular episode, just you may want to watch it and then come back later. If you have not yet left, let's back that up for a second. Anyway, if you have not yet left us a review, uh, please do so. Uh, wherever you get your podcast at is great. Uh, iTunes is usually the best because then that kind of gets us up in. Uh, in terms of algorithms and charts and things like that. And um, I, I feel like we were on one of the charts in like iTunes France there for a while. Woo-hoo. I feel like we were in like the top 200 of TV and movie podcasts on the iTunes French store. I'd have to go back nice. and check that. But if you leave us a review, you can leave us a review in French. I don't really care. I, you know, I think I can still read some French. So feel that free to do that imp- if you want to. That would impress me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, well, it, when we get to our five questions for later in this movie, two of my answers end up being very, very French. So that's maybe kind of a running theme tonight. We will. I, I did promise, pull back the curtain just a little bit. This is the second time we've recorded this because John didn't remember to hit the record button. John has done, I don't remember how, what episode is this? 261? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's 261. John has done 260 episodes before this one. 
and John forgot to hit record button. So we, we had a little conversation before this, but uh, we did say the first time around that I would be willing to sing your uh, feedback if you leave us a review on the iTunes store. So that, that offer is still open. Nobody heard it the first time, but the offer is still open. And folks, he had a chance to not say it this time, and he said it anyway. I did. I said it anyway. I think he's serious. I would like to say I'm a glutton for punishment. I think it's just, in general, I'm a glutton. Mm-hmm. So, all right, before we talk about our movie tonight, our movie tonight is All Dogs Go to Heaven, uh, and we will be asking the compelling questions like, is that true? Do all dogs go to heaven? Or is there some really mean, evil little pipsqueak that just does not deserve to go there? We'll be asking those kind of questions tonight, maybe. Um, but first off... Any new movie news that we've got? Uh, I saw a couple things that I wanted to mention real fast. There is apparently a face-off reboot being developed by the 22 Jump Street writer. We uh, Again, when we recorded this the first time, we kind of talked about this just a little bit. And, and I said, you know what? I'm not sure. We're not anti-reboot people by nature. But when I think of something that's getting rebooted, I think of something that maybe it's, it's not age well or there's something new that a new generation can bring to it. But... The last time I watched the movie, and it's been a little while since I've watched the movie, the last time I watched the movie, there were cell phones, there was technology. It, I don't really think, even though it's 22 years old, I don't think it's all that dated. So I'm not sure that I necessarily see the need for a re- reboot. Yeah, I would agree. It, I kind of still enjoy the original. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I find it hard to believe that it's due for a reboot. I don't yeah. see that. Yeah, I just don't see it. But what do I know? Hey, if they want to surprise us, that's totally fine. I mean, exactly. there's some of those. There's some of those movies that like the theme of the movie was cloning or something. And it's like, oh yeah, we can clone stuff now. We haven't cloned, well, as far as I know, we haven't cloned humans yet. But you know that I could see maybe needing to update some of those things. Or you know, if the technology in the movie was is ancient by now, then sure, go ahead and update it. But it's kind of like when they did the update to the um, – did you ever see the updated Total Recall? You know, I never did. Mm-hmm. Always meant to and just never – never did. It wasn't bad, but at the same time, there were some scenes – and it's been a long time. I only watched it once, and it's been a long time since I've seen it. I remember there being plenty of scenes that were just almost you know, shot-for-shot shot remakes of the original. And when they do that, I'm just like, I, I don't know why we needed this. Yeah, as long as it's not going to be something like that. Uh, what did I say the first time around? Maybe they're going to make the explosions more 2020-er? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to maybe just up up the explosions a bit, or maybe maybe we can hold more guns sideways as we fire into a cloud of doves. Maybe the cloud of doves will be bigger. There you go. Maybe the cloud of doves will have the bird flu. Ooh, that's deep. That's, that's, very, that's very 2013 of me. Yeah, that's... Uh... Or, or whatever year that was. It's funny, I was just watching a documentary where they talked about the avian flu. Oh, there you go. Actually, technically, it was a docudrama, I believe. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, and, and we're not dead yet, so, you know, that's right, all good. we made it. We're still here. Speaking of people who made it and are still here, do we have a Pat Canigallo now? We do have a Pat Canigallo, gentlemen. There Can you go. hear me okay? All right. Yeah. That's good. And I'm... Uh, that's good. I, I, might- I, heard, I heard a bunch of thumping. I thought you were strangling someone. Uh, well, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, I don't know how your day was, gentlemen, but it could come to that. I'm just saying. Uh-oh. <clears throat> yeah, my, my day was spent at home and tomorrow might be spent at home as well. So no, I'm not in the I'm not in the strangling state. I'm just more in the leave me alone and let me stay on the couch state. 
Oh, geez. Okay. Is this, are you obviously not feeling good? No. Well, it's a, it's a combination of not feeling good and just needing a break from the craziness. Okay. No, I get it. Because I know if I don't take one, I'm I'm gonna feel even worse later on. Yes. So this is kind of a it's it's a I don't feel good, but it's also very much preventative of not getting any worse. Got you. So sort of like the Merovingian said, unless you take time, how can you ever truly have time? Correct. Was that I thought that was Mr. Rogers. That was the Merovingian. Uh, well, you know what? That could very, very well be Mr. Rogers, but I just I, remember the Merovingian quoted it in Matrix Reloaded. Okay. No, I'm totally kidding. I, I mean, they're practically the same person, so. Well, they they sort of are. They yeah. sort of are. Mm-hmm. Um, did I just wander in in the middle of the recording, or is this still the preemptory kind of like, hey, how was your day? You were No, we were sharing with the listeners that you've wandered in to take two, because during take one, where John and Bo, you know, talked for about a good, I don't know, what do you think, 18, 20 minutes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, about a good 18, 20 minutes. John all of a sudden realized he forgot to hit the record button. Oh, jeez. So that's the kind of evening it's been for John as well. So, no, we're in, we're, we're knee-deep in recording number two, take two, okay. I guess. Well, so, no, you've, you've jumped in to take two, so welcome. Awesome. Well, that's very good. Sorry I kind of uh, was asking, you know, about your personal health and all that kind of stuff. Oh, no, no, no. That's, I, I'm, I'm an open book. So. Okay. John's all about pulling back the curtain tonight. I, oh. I have I have nothing to hide except many for, in many inappropriate ways. I <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yes. Trust me, it'll be better for all of us. Mm-hmm. So so it's sort of like here's another Matrix one, like Morpheus said, right? I stand before you truly unafraid because it's not the journey ahead of me; it's the path that brought me here, right? I have no idea if that relates. I just want to talk about the Matrix. I'm sorry, I guys. So. I'm, I, it was well done. I feel I feel like I say that when I get out of the shower in the morning. Hey now. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. All right. So we were just we were just talking about uh, we were just talking about a face off. I almost said Facebook re- reboot. Uh, face off or Facebook may need a reboot, but yeah, well, they have issues. So they are apparently developing a face off reboot with the writer of Twenty Two Jump Street. So oh, okay. So, Bo and I just kind of weighed in on that. How does that make you feel? All, all warm and fuzzy inside or a little queasy? And I, I, well, yeah, okay. You know what? Honestly, I'm just going to say that if, if done right, no can defense. I mean, if it's a good movie, cool. If it's not a good movie, I'll take a pass. And, you know, I, I get the whole, um, man, can't Hollywood come up with a unique idea? And it's sort of like, I don't know that that I got to be careful with with weighing into that too heavily because, yeah, you can totally feel it. Men are copying all our stuff from the 80s. Well, this is, in fact, from the 90s. But it's kind of like, too, when you look back and the history of movies, I mean, I don't know. I, I th- If it's a good movie, cool. If it's not a good movie, I'll take a pass. And I thought Face Enough if, – if, or Face Enough. If Face Off was as good as I originally thought it was, then whatever they do uh, won't affect that at all. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and actually Face Enough is the name of the third movie in the trilogy that they're making. Oh, okay, okay. Face yeah. Off, Face On. It's, it's it's Face Off, Face Offer, and then Face Enough. Gotcha. What about Face With a Vengeance? Face With a uh, Face Offer With a Vengeance? There you go. Mm-hmm. There we go. Mm-hmm. A Good Day to Face Off. That's oh, actually yeah. very nice. Good it's Day to not, Face Off. It's actually not a bad one. <clears throat> Live Free Your yeah. Face Off. There it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful how you say some of those. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. The other thing that we saw was the Joker movie is getting a lot of very positive buzz, and I 
Yeah. Think, uh, we were talking earlier. I think it maybe might have won Best Picture at the Venice Film Festival. Really? So well, cool. it's there are some good things being spoken out of people's mouths about the Joker movie. So well, uh, it's, bring, it's bringing a smile to my face. We'll put that that way. Well, awesome. Awesome. I look forward to uh, to seeing it, seeing what they have to offer. What so I, offer. I think Dennis and I have said we're going to try to – so I, if, if you guys are up for it too, um, close to when it comes out, I think Dennis and I said we're going to try to go see it kind of close to – when it comes out and then maybe do kind of like what what we did for solo is go see the movie and then record something afterwards. All right. So I think we're going to, we're going to try to swing that if we can. When does that come out? It comes out October 4th. So we got a few more weeks. October 4th. What, what type of a day is October? I don't know. I'm just rambling. Okay. Uh, Fourth is probably either like a Thursday or a Friday. I would imagine, but I I think we'd probably be looking to go see it on like a Tuesday when it's the, the cheap tickets at the theater. Right. So, but yeah, so that's all I got for movie news. Uh, do you guys have anything else you've seen lately? Um, I saw The Greatest Showman. Oh, okay, I still haven't seen that one. Was it good? I I really enjoyed it, and it's funny. I knew nothing about it. I didn't, other than Hugh Jackman was in it. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know it was a musical. I didn't know. I seriously knew absolutely nothing about the movie. So, well, uh, we saw it. The kids, uh, the kids saw it with us. Uh, we all loved it. Life was good, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. Nice. So I saw what was I watching? I was working on some stuff, um, and was it the other night? I was watching. It was on. I think it might have been on Netflix. Um, a horror movie called Hush. Have you either you guys seen that one? Uh, no. It was really good. And now, Pat, I know you're not a horror fan, so you're probably not going to rush out and watch this anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Would be my guess. Um, but who was the – I'm trying to think the name of the actress who was in it. Is it Kate Siegel? I'm looking it up really fast. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Kate Siegel. She was one of the – and Pat, I'm sure you didn't see this one either. The um, Haunting of Hill House that was on Netflix. Did either of you guys watch that one? I, I did not. Okay. It was pretty good. It was, And Pat, I can't imagine you're probably going to go see it that one either. But um, it was definitely – had some very scary parts, so – you know, just be aware of that. But um, this was a horror movie that came out in 2016. And it's more of a, you might be okay with this one because it's more of like a thriller, like a psychological thriller and not quite as much like a supernatural horror. Okay. So depending on, you know, if that, if that helps you a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the thing I thought was kind of interesting about this is uh, she plays a character who is a deaf writer uh, who is staying in this cabin in the woods or this house in the woods so that she can, you know, write her next, uh, I think it's a book or a screenplay. I think it's a book. And, um, all of a sudden this masked, uh, killer shows up at her house and is outside the house. And she ends up having to lock all the doors and lock all the windows. And, and then it kind of goes from there. But the intriguing thing about it is she can't hear anything. Mm -hmm. So she has to be able to defend herself and respond without being able to hear. Mm. So I thought it was kind of interesting. So I watched it. It was pretty good. And, um, it seemed like it was something I hadn't seen before. You know, sometimes horror movies can get to be a little repetitive. Mm-hmm. Cool. But that one was pretty good. So if if you're inspired to go watch it, it is on Netflix right now, and it's less than an hour and a half. So it's not a super long movie either. Okay. 
I just started watching season three of The Good Place because it became available on Netflix. Okay. I don't know if you've checked out The Good Place. Um, it's outstanding. I love it. Some people like it. Some people don't, as it goes. But The Good Place is really good. The first three seasons are on Netflix. And the fourth season it is going to be on NBC starting at the end of this month, end of September. So if you have not seen or been watching The Good Place, it might be worth checking out. It's very entertaining. The final thing, I only other thing I have is The Art of Racing in the Rain. Uh, everybody that I've talked to that has gone and seen it have said it's awesome and it is such a great adaptation of the book and they've really thoroughly enjoyed it. So nice. anyways, just throwing those things out there. All right. Well, I think it's to do it for our news. Let's jump into, we'll jump into the DeLorean and we'll head back to 1989 and see what was happening this week in 1989. So this week in 89, we're looking at the dates of about September 8th to about the 15th, 1989. Bo, I mentioned earlier, things may get very French tonight. Well, one of my things from uh, September 6th, 1989, was that a French computer that was being used by law enforcement, falsely accused 41,000 Parisians of murder and prostitutions, murder, murder and prostitution instead of traffic violations. <laughs> so somehow they, and, and obviously this is back in the 80s and computers, not that computers don't have problems now, but um, they, uh, yeah, apparently set up this new computer system and it was supposed to notify the uh was supposed to like catalog something and notify people of their traffic violations, and instead they were notified that they were being um, tried for murder and prostitution. So that sounds like fun. Well, if you're gonna get it, you know, if you're gonna be tried for something, at least make it the big, uh, the big two, right? Right. I mean, just don't don't go halfway. Yes. No. If you're go if you're going to jail, kids. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave that hanging out we'll, there. We'll we'll leave that there, and and. Maybe that's what happened. Uh, September 10th, five days after hitting a home run for the Yankees in a 12-2 win over the Mariners, Major League Baseball and NFL player Deion Sanders also returned a punt, 68 yards for a touchdown, his uh, first touchdown return in the NFL. Really? So that was back when Neon Dion was playing both sides. He was playing the football mm -hmm. and the baseball. The top book this time around was Clear and Present Danger by Tom Clancy. Oh, what a nice. Have, what you a read the, have, have you read the book? I've only ever seen the movie. Oh, the book is so much better. Is it the okay. book? Oh my God, Bo, are you a fan of the Tom Clancy books? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I like so Hunt for Red October, which I know you're looking forward to next year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I read that book four or five times, like in fifth or sixth grade before the movie came out, and I got into that. So, do, how how far did you go in the Tom Clancy series? Gosh, I'm up through the first of the, the second, maybe of the Jack Ryan Jr. books. Oh, okay. So you're beyond. Okay. So you've gotten through like rainbow six and oh yeah. Oh my gosh. And I'm just going to say, how the heck does he do it? And I don't want to do spoilers, but how does he write things into those movies that suddenly find a way of coming true? No kidding. I'm right. And I, you, if you know what I'm referring to, like, I don't want to give stuff away, but you know, the Jack Ryan, where he kind of makes it all the way to the top of the heap. If you remember mm -hmm. that one, it's just like, how does he do it? Yeah. It's a little crazy, man. I know the rainbow six one. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's the real deal with that stuff. Sorry. Sorry. I got excited. Clear and present yeah. danger is a fantastic book though. This would be a boring podcast if you didn't get excited. I, well, I know I'm sorry, but true. I don't want to, I don't want to focus on activities, but if, if, if we just sat here and we're like, okay, tonight we're good. This is not an NPR show. We're not going to sit here going tonight. We're going to be talking all dogs go to heaven. Okay. Mm. And I, that, that's not even NPR. I'm just kind of making fun of them. Okay. 
That's well, kind of like the, uh, was, was the skit on Saturday Night Live um, with uh, Alec Baldwin when they were making yeah, fun the, of NPR. Mm-hmm. The, the Shweddy Balls one. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So, Shweddy Balls. Well, all I got to say is uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, 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 um, Hunt for Red October discussing it with you, Bo. And I, I got to catch up because, I, like I said, I made it through all of the, the Jack Ryan series. And then um, uh, I got to check out Jack Ryan Jr., yeah, it's fun. I think the first one is the. Oh, uh, I wish I could remember. It's it's on my nook in my room. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. The campus, it's called, I believe. Okay. Did you read? Did you read Red Storm Rising? The one. Oh, where, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? I want to say that they. Well, I think they probably studied a lot of his books. I want to say that they actually studied that for like. Uh, you know, they being the government, but they studied it as like this could have been. You know. This could quite possibly have – this is how it will come down if we get into World War III. I mean obviously it was from like 30, 35 years ago, but uh, they, they said that that was a pretty accurate – you know, what could happen. Yeah, it's crazy town for sure. Yeah. Dang. All right. All right. I feel like, I feel like my son would probably enjoy – so the Jack Ryan Jr., are those young adult books? No. No? Okay. No. This just called Jack Ryan Jr.? Well, it's his kids grown up now, and not, oh, it's you know. oh, it's his son. Okay, see, when you say Jack Ryan Jr., I keep thinking of like James Bond Jr. No, that old that old cartoon they had, and okay, um, so so don't introduce this to my son. Yeah, it might be a little much well, for him yet. Okay, eventually. Well, well, I let's let's, let's, let's I started I started reading the first set when I was in high school, so you know, okay, he's not well, as he's, far off as you want him to be. Right? No, he's well. <laughs> Let's put it this way. He he just started seventh grade and he's already read. Was it last year? He read it as one of his in class books. Yeah. So you know he's so, he's close enough. He could probably I, start on the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just gonna to say remember, I'm trying to remember if he writes with any adult language. I don't notice it, but that doesn't mean it's not there. Right. I right. I think it's there. It's not like a it's not like a um Quentin Tarantino movie, but it will. It's like there the way that real people would use it. I think. Right. Well, which is I mean. He's already read that in it, you know, Stephen King's yeah. it definitely sure, yeah. has language in it. So I read, uh, I think I read hunt for red October in fifth grade. Okay. And I, and I think I did that one. I think I did Patriot games and, uh, and that's what gets screwy. Cause technically Patriot games happens before hunt for red October, but the, I don't no. you know. I think the, the original timeline, it is the movie timeline is different, but I think in the book, isn't Patriot games supposed to take place before I get so out of whack because they skipped over Red Storm Rising and there's a few other things. Yeah, you might be right. It's but, been a while. But you don't have to read them in order. In any event, Hunt for Red October, um, you know, I don't know. I'm going to tell you it's fine and then there's going to be stuff that I just remember kind of glossing over. But uh, I don't know, man. If you stay if you stay a chapter ahead of them and just make sure that you kind of, you know, you scan it first as a parent. I don't know. I, I've, I'm yeah. sorry. I, the, the books are outstanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my problem is he reads faster than I do. He'll, <laughs> he'll read like two books in a day and it may take me two weeks to read one book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. All right. Uh, let's see. Okay. So well, that was the top book. The top movie <laughs> sorry. is uncle. No, you're fine. Uh, top movie is uncle buck directed by John Hughes starring Jack. On Candy, which we just Woo-hoo. did an episode of not that not that long ago, so go back and take a look. And uh, the top song is "Hanging Tough" by the New Kids on the Block. Oh, <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll drop a little clip of the song in there just so just 
so people can hear it. Um, all right, are we ready to are we ready to go to heaven? Uh, yes. Okay. We did ask earlier. We, we said we were gonna, you know, we we're gonna ask the hard hitting questions like, are there dogs who don't go to heaven? But we'll get into that. Um, all right. Just so this movie, it's, you know, that I'm trying to think if there was. Well, I mean, the one at the end that somehow he got in there even after everything he did. Like you're gonna have to do some heavy duty redeeming here to make this all worthwhile. All right, well, this one's called All Dogs Go to Heaven. It came out on the 17th of November, 1989, rated G, with a runtime of one hour and 24 minutes, directed by Don Bluth, uh, co-directed also by Gary Goldman and Dan Kunster. Bluth also did Secret of Nim and The Land Before Time. Uh, Goldman did Anastasia and Titan AE, and Kunster did Rockadoodle. Producers on this one were Don Bluth, Gary... Rockadoodle. So producers on this one were Don Bluth, Gary Goldman, and John Pomeroy. Bluth also produced An American Tale. Goldman produced Land Before Time. And Pomeroy produced the video games Dragon's Lair and Space Ace. Did you guys ever play those? I played Space Ace a lot, actually. Yeah, I did Space Ace, too. They sound like ones I would have played. That thing was a dollar. Really? Yeah. Like, back when, back when video games were a quarter, that thing was a dollar to play. I don't know if it was in the same arcades that you went to, but... Hmm. That, that thing was expensive. Yeah, but we, man, we thought it was so cool. Oh, it was totally worth it. Oh, I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> so we thought it was cool. I, you know, oh, I, thought, uh, I, thought, I thought it was worth it. And I care. Matters. <laughs> At that age, it wasn't my money. So, uh, so writers on this one, I'm not going to go through. I did not make a list of what these writers have done, but I will go through and I will list their names. But there isn't a astounding number of writers for this movie and i on imdb it didn't really specify whether they just did some dialogue or or what they did but apparently there was an entire writer's room full of people working on this movie mm-hmm. uh so the the writers for this one uh story was written by don bluth ken cromar gary goldman larry leaker uh, linda miller monica parker john pomeroy gary schulman david j steinberg and david n weiss Screenplay was done by David N. Weiss, who also did Shrek 2 and Rockadoodle. Film editing, because there's no cinematography in a cartoon. Uh, Film editing was done by John K. Carr and Lisa Dorney. Carr did Land Before Time and How to Train Your Dragon 2. Dorney did Little Shop of Horrors and Dick Tracy. Music was done by Ralph Burns, who died in 2001. He also did composing for Urban Cowboy, National Lampoon's Vacation, and The Muppets Take Manhattan. Together again. Uh, the budget on this one was $13.8 million. The box office was $27.1 million. Reviews for this one, the Rotten Tomatoes critics gives it a 58%. Rotten Tomatoes audience gives it a 63%. IMDb gives it a 68%. Letterboxd gives it a 64%. And CinemaScore did not have a score for this one. Starring, so you don't want to be, actually I'm looking at the list of the people I have in this movie, and of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, of the seven people I have listed for the uh, starring roles that we're going to mention for this movie, five of them are currently dead. So apparently don't be in a movie about dogs dying. Duly noted. Okay, so Burt Reynolds died in 2018. He was Charlie B. Barkin. He was in Smokey and the Bandit and Boogie Nights. Uh, Definitely not a kid's movie. Dom DeLuise died in 2009. He played Itchy Itchyford. He was in Blazing Saddles and Cannonball Run. Judith Barcy died in 1988. Um, And you might be asking, then how did she make this movie? Because it was made in 88, but it came out in 89. Uh, She played the voice of Anne Marie. She was in Jaws, The Revenge. And she was also Ducky in The Land Before Time. Melba Moore played the Whippet Angel. No comment. Uh, Hair, The Fighting Temptations were her two movies. Uh, Vera played... Why do I have Vera? 
I just have the name Vera. I think I got, I think either forgot to put a last name in or I reversed the names or anyway, whoever Vera is, is that Norm's wife? I was just going to say, I think I'm, I'm thinking Norm's wife. Is it Norm's Norm's wife from Cheers? Okay. So Norm's wife from Cheers was in this movie and, uh, she played a part. Well, good. I don't know what part, but she played a part. Um, so we're just going to go with that. So Vera, I'm sorry, whoever you are, and I hope you're still alive. Uh, but she was also in a movie called Skippy and a movie called Theater 625. Charles Nelson Riley, who died in 2007, played Killer. He was in Cannibal Run 2 and All Dogs Go to Heaven, the series. And then Vic Tabak died in 1990, played Carface. He was in Bullet and the TV series Alice. Here's the trailer, and we'll be back in just a sec. Don Bluth, the acclaimed director of two of the most popular animated films of all time, An American Tale and The Land Before Time, now takes you on his most magical adventure ever. All dogs go to heaven. But only one dog ever came back. (laughs) Hi, Charlie. Hi. Will you shut up? I'm alive. Charlie, it's really you. The story of a canine con artist with a second chance at life who became a little girl's only chance for happiness. I'm an orphan. A little girl who talks to animals. Could you please tell me which one of you is going to win today's race? All Dogs Go to Heaven. Featuring the voices of Vic Tabak. This is strike two. You're out. Charles Nelson Riley. No way, boss. Once I get one more strike. Dom DeLuise. I can't help it, Charlie. I itch when I'm nervous. Lonnie Anderson. Hello, Charlie. And Burt Reynolds as... Charlie. You were the best friend I, I ever had. You'll help me find a mommy and daddy? I promise. Oh, Charlie. Oh. <laughs> All dogs go to heaven. Okay, so All Dogs Go to Heaven. Um, is this the first time either of you have seen this movie? Nope. Yes for yes for Pat. Okay, yes for Pat. No for Bo? No, I love this movie. Okay. All right, it had so, been a few years, but I do love it. Okay, all right. Uh, Pat, let's start with you. So this was the first time you've seen this movie at all. Had you even heard of it before knowing you were going to watch it for the podcast? I, I had heard of it. Um, but I, all my dog movies, I guess I get them uh, like Lady and the Tramp, 101 Dalmatians. This are all like so completely different, I know. But I guess I got them all kind of jumbled together. I was like, yeah, I've heard of it. I've Yeah. And I've never seen it. And as I was watching it, like nothing even rang a bell. So it was complete blank slate. Okay. Did you – another quick question. Did you watch this with the kids? I did not watch this with the kids and only because – and we've been on kind of a movie jaunt lately. Mm-hmm. We only – we just haven't had a chance uh, to uh, to do it. But I, I think um, obviously this would be one that I could potentially watch with the kids. And I find myself thinking like I wonder what they would think of this. Mm-hmm. So anyways, okay. so no. I watched okay. it solo. Okay. And what did you – did you already kind of say – what did you think of it overall? Like yeah. As you were just – before we get into – before we get into details, what you – what you think of it? I, I – I am am torn because I liked I loved watching the old animation. 
I loved watching the way that they kind of would fade from one scene to another, which you really don't see in animated movies that I know of anymore. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where they kind of they, they mm-hmm. fade like one scene will fade to black. Um, some of the music I liked very, very much. Uh, some of the big band stuff and there's a, a trumpet player that was playing on there and my gosh, that guy I think deserves a medal. I mean, there was some really, really good uh, uh, big band writing and all that in there. That being said, I, I want to say if I would ever to watch this again, I think I would want to watch it with the kids to get their take because it didn't have it didn't quite like pull me in the way that like a land before time or. I want to say all dogs go to heaven, but that's the one it is the way that some of the other animated films kind of pulled me in. I kind of watched it and it, it felt, it felt just for me a little bit kind of, well, this is predictable and I'm, I'm not quite, I'm not quite hooked. That being said, and Bo, I'm sorry. Cause I know you said that you love the movie and it, it, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to talk negatively about it. I honestly think maybe that's where I was kind of in my mind. Like when I was just watching the movie, if I was watching it with the kids, I probably would enjoy it a lot more. And I think if I had seen it when I was younger, I would have enjoyed it a lot more because the the animation of the dogs, the traveling to heaven, uh, the various songs, um, some of the little characters. I mean, there were some really cool scenes in there. And I think, like I said, I could just see I could see Dominic kind of liking it and I could see Daniela getting really hooked into it. The only issue I had was was just I, I saw it as an adult and didn't have that link to uh to um childhood either with me or 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 whatnot yeah so bo you're on the other side of this you've watched this you know probably from when it came out you know as a kid and and you love this movie so yeah so uh, tell us a little bit about kind of your history with this one well i i don't know if we saw it in the theater or not but i've definitely seen it all through my formative years i suppose you would say um and it's funny the way patrick said it is perfect you you develop we talked about this gosh i don't know if it was last week or the week before now it's all sort of running together but you develop a attachment to a film that supersedes the film itself so Mm -hmm. when you see it again as an adult you're you're not watching it the same way as if you'd seen it for the first time as an adult so when i watch this movie i i kick back and i'm ready to enjoy you know i it's hard to separate myself from the nostalgia, but I do still love it. Um, the, the concept of the clock I always loved, even as a kid, you know, the, the, you know, don't, the watch has to stay ticking sort of thing is kind of cool. Just thematically. I don't know if I knew the word thematically as a kid, but I always thought it was cool. Um, and the, the, you know, there's the, the redemption story of the dirty rotten scoundrel, which is always fun because, you know, of course he has a heart of gold because, you know, yeah. it's an animated movie about dogs. Right. Um, and being an animal lover, of course, that always appealed to me as well. Well, I think I'm going to split the difference between the two of you because I did same as you, Bo. I watched this as a kid, loved it as a kid growing up, watched it. I don't even know how many times. Um, don't know if we saw it in the theater, but would have watched it from a pretty early age. Um, but, uh, and yeah, loved it, loved the songs, loved the whole story, vividly remember the whole thing about the watch, uh, you know, that being kind of his lifeline to staying alive where he was. And, um, you know, just, just remembered a lot of different bits and pieces of this movie. And I think I've always liked 
the Don Bluth style, especially as I started to get to be a little bit of an older kid. I kind of liked his style a little bit more than some of the Disney movies because it was still that, you know, it was a little bit more rough around the edges. It's a little bit more, you know, I, maybe it's a difference when, when people used to say the difference between Marvel and DC, the DC is always trying to be gritty. I don't think I'd call Don Bluth style gritty, but it definitely has some more adult visuals and adult themes to it and, and things like that. Yeah, the dogs getting into the fist fight and holding the one over the pit and everything like that was definitely more aggressive than you would see in some other movies. Right, right. You're not going to see a lot of uh, cars running down dogs in Disney movies, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. No. Right, not not in that way, not as like a mob hit. No. So I, I think where I'm going to kind of straddle the fence between the two of you is yep. – yeah, well, yeah. That could be um, dangerous. It could be very dangerous. This is why I don't climb things. Um, is that I, I loved this movie as a kid, but it had been a long time since I've seen it. And then sitting down to watch it, I did watch this with Sharon and with my daughter Nora, who's eight. Um, and so we did sit down and watch this together. And I kind of spent a decent portion of the movie kind of watching her reactions. Mm-hmm. And, and her reactions were almost the same as my reactions. Like... Moments that I knew as a kid, I would have just laughed out loud. I wasn't finding them as funny. And okay. moments moments when there should have been a chuckle or a laugh or something, I wasn't finding them as funny. And the, the interesting thing was neither was she. Like there weren't particular times where, you know, she just started laughing out loud or, um, you know, she did with – we just watched uh, – we rewatched Little Mermaid just recently and, and we watched um, – you know, not too long ago, we watched The Land Before Our Time. We watched An American Tale. So we've watched some of the other Don Bluth ones within the last maybe year or two. Um, and so it's not like, you know, it's not like she's a super serious kid that doesn't laugh at anything. But I don't remember hearing her laugh out loud at this one. I remember her turning around and looking at me at a couple of different points and, and kind of asking me, this is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And so her reaction was not the reaction I had as a kid to this movie. Um you know, ultimately, she said that she liked it, like she liked it. And she got the part about, you know, things being kind of sad that the dog had to go uh, at the end and, and everything else. Um, but it just wasn't I didn't see that same reaction that I had when I was a kid. And and I think there were a couple things this time around seeing it as an adult that really stuck out to me. And I think I, I maybe just got a little bit too fixated on the one mm-hmm. in particular was the and, and the music. I, I did like the music. The thing I didn't like about it was. I don't think they should ever let Burt Reynolds sing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I, that would be my yeah, one thing. Yeah, I was wondering if he sang or if someone sang for him. Oh, he sang. Yeah, then he sang, and I knew, yeah. and I was like, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, because I, I, remember, I remember sitting there watching it, you know, just about a week or two ago. I remember sitting there watching it and thinking, but Oliver and company got Billy Joel. Right. You you guys needed to go. If you couldn't find Billy Joel, I don't know. Go get like Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen or Rod Stewart or I don't, somebody. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think Burt Reynolds should have been singing necessarily. The other thing about some of the songs too, and that's you know, in I feel like in the other Don Bluth movies, the music, at least for me, was a little bit stronger. In this one, I don't know. I kind of felt like, and, and Pat, you're you're a little bit more a little bit more of a music expert than we are, but um, I don't know. Some of the music in this one just to me seemed like it was a bit haphazard. Like there were, there were times where the lyrics and things like that, I'm like, I, I don't know that that melody 
goes together. And that, I don't know that that, it's not fitting a pattern to me. And I, and, and again, I know Pat, you're more of a jazz person than I am. And, and sometimes jazz is a little bit more haphazard than other styles of music. And, and I don't use that as like a negative term, but, but um, right. I, I kind of feel like a lot of the songs in this one were not necessarily songs that kids could easily memorize. No, you know what it, it, uh, and I'm, I'm jumping in. So stop me if you, if you want to, uh, uh, finish a thought, but no. And that's what I noticed too. When the music came on, it was like, dude, that's a good tune or wow. That's a, And it was like, they were pretty, were pretty involved, like big band arrangements. Yeah, they, they were, were complex. They were complex, they were complex charts. Yes, they were. They weren't, they weren't kids songs. And right. like, we just watched the greatest showman. Um, and like the kids were like picking up and singing them right away. Well, when you listen to them, they weren't super complex arrangements. I mean, I'm not, I, I, no one's asking me to write music, so I'm not trying to roast anything, but I mean, it, like you could sit there and bam, there's the tune. You could sing it. This, this was a more involved chart, you know, like you said. And so it, it you're not, lo- it's nothing to like lock onto and, and have like, you know, the kids walk out singing the other thing. And when you mentioned haphazard, I, I kind of felt that only with, there didn't seem to be a lot of incidental music kind of like linking it. It would be like really quiet. And it was like, dude, I could use some tunes right now. This is kind of quiet. Like fill in the gaps for me. Give, tell me how I'm supposed to feel about this movie. Okay. You know, like we listened to David W. Collins in the, in the, in the, um, soundtrack show. Great, great melodies tell great stories. Okay. I need a great melody here. And I, I just think if the music was more consistent throughout, I think that would have helped advance the story a little bit. Um, and, and, and like I said, kind of connect the dots from these tunes that, that we're listening to, but that's kind of when you said haphazard, that's kind of what I seized on was just that it felt like, um, you know, there wasn't music throughout. It was some cool tunes here and there, but no, I totally agree with you. Like you said, and that's what got my ear was like, dang, the tunes are good. I mean, these are like full on big band charts. This is cool, but you're right. That, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to, you know, the kids going home and singing it as they're walking out of the theater. Yeah. And it seemed like in this movie that there were, and and not to like jump off the music train, we can keep talking about the music, but it kind of seemed like in this movie that even some of the script was very much improvised. And I I feel like I'd have to go back to to look at the IMDB page, but I feel like I did read somewhere that uh, um, Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise did do a lot of ad-libbing their parts they just kind of riffed off each other and you know just kind of let it fly and which i can only imagine i don't don't know how the movie was made but usually you have to you do the animation first do you do the animation first? i'm trying to remember do you do the animation first and then they fit your voices to it or you do the voices and they fit the animation to it i'm with this in this era when you're not quite fully computerized yet i don't recall how they would have done that. I guess they would have had to do the, the audio first and then fit it to the audio. Yeah. I think that's what they used to do. Yeah. But you make a good point. Yeah. But yeah, it, it seemed like that a lot of, a lot of things in this movie, as much as I did love this movie as a kid, I think that's where I had a, a lesser experience with it this time was because I, as an adult kept picking up on the things that I said, Oh, the, I enjoyed this as a kid, but the story is kind of a mess. And these songs are not that the songs are bad, but like I was saying before, it's like, well, they're not, they're not catchy. They're good, but they're not catchy. 
and, and there were a couple of other things too, but a couple of things that I was just like, yeah, this is not, you know, for, for me now who watches things and not that I sit and analyze everything, but I, you know, I, I look for more complex things in my viewing. Uh, you know, not that I, not that everything has to be a war and peace size novel or screenplay, but, um, I definitely noticed the story more this time around and some of the dialogue and, you know, some of the, some of the things that sounded like they should have been jokes, but just weren't quite landing this time mm-hmm. around watching it. Yeah. I, I'm going to say there was a couple things that just seemed like maybe I'm like, would kids of today's day, like, would we understand it as much? Like even like the whole like mobster thing, like the, you know, the street gangs and, you know, kind of based off like the mafia things with they like, I don't know, would, and obviously the movie wasn't made for today. So, but I mean, that's kind of what that's kind of, and I, I wish I could put my finger on it, but there just seemed to be some things that I watch now that like, okay, I feel like back in the eighties, you know, we'd all, you know, be familiar with that whole idea of like the street gangs and in, in the sense of like the, the, the mafia movies, you know, mm-hmm. like with the gambling on the horses and the whole, you know, and all that, that almost seemed like a world apart now. And I don't know if it's just that we haven't had as many of those movies or or what, but that that didn't seem to be that doesn't seem to be as prevalent in today's culture as it maybe once was. Right. And so that's kind of the piece that I felt a little bit was like, okay, yeah, that's cool, but I I just don't, you know, it used to be that you'd have and even though that this is a kids movie and but I mean the adults would have Goodfellas and there were the Godfather movies and there was Casino and there was I mean there's just a whole slew of movies kind of showed that that life or mm-hmm. you know the, the criminal underworld mm-hmm. I don't know that that we have that in the same vein now so when I watch this it really seems like a blast from the past Am I am I off base? You feel free to tell me. Am I off base with that? Like it just doesn't seem like there's as much of those kinds of movies that make it, you know, movies about the mob are as popular as they were. Yeah, no. I, don't, I don't think you're off base. I think you, for whatever reason, it's true. You know, what you've said is true from a certain point of view. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say, and it just didn't come out right. And well, it's nine o'clock on a random Tuesday. There you go. No, I, I think that's true. I think, you know, as you were saying that, I was trying to think back and I'm like, you know, a lot of those Saturday morning cartoons that we kind of talk about, and, you know, you'd, you'd get some of the some of the cartoons that like you'd have a, a gangster character show up or like in The Simpsons, you'd have Fat Tony that would show up. And, and I feel like you had more of a more of like a you could have a cartoonish mafia bad guy in your uh, your cops cartoon or your RoboCop cartoon or something like that. I feel like there was more. You know, maybe like Batman, the animated series, even still, you had a lot of the kind of organized crime stuff would still show up. But I feel like if you think about the cartoons that are on now, you really don't have that. Mm-hmm. I like, think that's I, what I'm tr- trying to put my finger on. Yeah. Yeah. It's more I think we're more in an era of at least, you know, for my kids when they're watching cartoons, it's either, um, you know, it's either Barbie and her friends or it's a superhero thing or you know, I, I don't think you see kind of the, the gangster image that you did a lot back in the, you know, mid to late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm, I'm even thinking on into like uh, like when we get to the Rocketeer in a little bit, you've got, you know, you've got the gangsters in that movie. You've got some Saturday morning cartoons that would have had kind of gangster figures or every once in a while, you know, a, a cartoon character would 
would jokingly play a part and pretend to be a gangster, like a, I guess Bugs, Bugs Bunny's a little bit earlier than the late mm-hmm. 80s, but, you know, you'd have that. You'd have, like, I feel like there were some episodes of Heathcliff the Cat where he pretended to be a, a mobster or a gangster or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I do feel, I feel like it's, I feel like you're on the right track, that it, it was more of a thing back then that we don't necessarily have as much of now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Just seems, just seems a, a world away. By the way, do you guys ever watch that show Check Please about going to the restaurants mm-hmm. and they get yeah. three people? It's on, it's on public. Bo, have you ever watched that? Yes. It okay. makes me hungry every it time. I, it is just an awesome show. And I'll tell you, there's one thing I can't stand in that show, and that is when they interview the people and the people don't like the restaurant. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, you can't do that. This is this guy's favorite restaurant. I mean, don't say anything negative. If you got nothing nice to say, just say, yeah, it was my thing. I probably wouldn't go there again. But, you know, you, you don't go on and rip on the guy's favorite show. And I'm a, such a filthy hypocrite because, Bo, you said you like this movie, and then I feel like all I've done is talk about, well, I really didn't like this, and I really didn't like this. and I re- So I am sorry to you. And what is that about it? That's why so, we're here, man. Well, I know, but and that's what people try to tell me about Check Please, but I still get angry when they diss someone's favorite restaurant. So in any event, I'm sorry that I'm I'm sorry that I'm just a filthy hypocrite. <laughs> you are not a hypocrite. No worries, uh, man. I don't know. You know, Bo really liked River's Edge, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we all just gotta do what we gotta do. There's a lot of things I do that people don't like, you know. I mean, that's fine. Exactly. Oh, good. I, I feel like Bo is also writing a screenplay to, to reboot a movie about uh, twin gynecologists. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. Hey, you know, speaking of Burt Reynolds, did you hear that uh, they're doing a weekend of Bernie's three? Are they really? Yeah. Burt Reynolds is going to play Bernie. <laughs> oh, oh, that's too dark. That's too dark. Come on, guys. Come that's, on. That, that might be the too soon. The best part is that you had John going for about two seconds. Yeah, it's really easy to get people going with all that. I'm sorry. Edit that out. That's offensive. Oh, that's, 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 no, I think that that's, was hysterical. That's offensive. No, um, that's Pat, Pat told a funny. That's totally fine. The best comedy is offensive. Mm-hmm. I just, it's, it's over the top. It's over the top. Okay, I'm derailing too much. So anyways, Bo, I'm sorry for not loving the movie too i really am no need to apologize you are fine all right well thank you so speaking of offensive uh apparently there was a cut scene involving charlie going to hell oh, um, but but they wanted yeah um but they wanted the movie to have a g rating and not a pg rating so apparently don bluth has a private version of the uncut movie that he has never shared with anyone that has this scene too i kind of feel like that might have been a bit much for the kids yeah but i would like to see it now as an adult I, I would, yeah. yeah. I do know that, that that devil character really kind of freaked Nora out when we were watching it, and that especially that scene at the end when he kind of like shows up and is hovering over the city and and all yeah. that. So I can only imagine how much worse. And there was kind of a little bit of a like a not a flashback, but like a he was having a nightmare. Yeah, and the things were like eating his ears and stuff. Yeah, and it, and it, when he woke up, it was all the puppies kind of gnawing on his leg. But yeah, but that was yeah. kind of that was rough enough. All right. Um, well, let me see. I, there were a couple other things here kind of in the making of the movie. Well, the the sad part, I mean, if we're going to – I guess we're already on a, a little bit of a sad train here. The sad part is this was the actress Judith Barcy's final film. She was the little girl that did the voice of Anne Marie. Um, she also did the voice of Ducky in The Land Before Time. She was in a lot of other kind of TV shows and, and cartoons uh, at the time. I think I mentioned earlier she was in Jaws, The Revenge. Um, she and her mother were actually murdered by her father. 
um, a, a year and a half before this movie came out. Um, so, and I guess after she was killed, um, I guess this movie was being made uh, quite a bit before it came out. And I guess it just really kind of hit Don Bluth and some of the other people that worked on it so hard that it took them a little bit longer to get this movie put out. And, and I guess they changed what the character of Anne Marie was going to look like so that she looked more like the little girl herself. Okay. Um, just as a way to kind of honor her memory and, and all that. But yeah, I guess, I guess, her home life was pretty bad, and and I guess uh, a couple things here on the IMDb page said that originally they were going to have the little girl do her own singing, but I guess as she was trying to sing some of the songs, she just got overly emotional, and they said, okay, we're not going to, you know, we kind of know what her home life is like. We're not going to push her, um, mm-hmm. and then ultimately, you know, a very very sad thing happened. So, oh wow, okay. So that kind of that kind of put a bit of a cloud over the movie as they were making it and trying to finish it off too. Yeah. Um, originally, I was reading something about this. Oh, here it is. I was looking on the IMDb page. Uh, the earliest idea for this film was conceived by Don Bluth after finishing work on The Secret of Nim in 1982. Uh, the original treatment was about a canine private eye and one of three short stories making up an anthology film. The character of a shaggy German shepherd was designed spe- specifically with Burt Reynolds in mind for the role. Um However, his first studio was going through a period of financial difficulty, ultimately having to declare bankruptcy, and the idea never made it beyond rough storyboards until they changed it up a little bit and brought it out in 1989. Now, I will say the one thing, and I've mentioned this before, I really like Don Bluth's style. Like, I like that animation style, Mm -hmm. and it kind of reminds me of the Disney styles before you get into, like, Little Mermaid. I know we talked about this when we did uh, The Black Cauldron. Okay, and I, and, and I remember. I think I remember. We kind of we were looking at it, and I think oh, I'm trying to remember if Don Bluth was still on the Disney team when they made uh, Black Cauldron. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, Stylistically, that would make sense. Yeah, it's it's still very similar to that style, um, but I've kind of always liked that style. I've liked you know The Land Before Time, uh, An American Tale, Secret of Nim. Those kind of movies, but yeah, yeah. I just I really like that animation style of his. Um, this is not this is not one of the five questions, but I'm I'm gonna go ask it to you guys. Um, do you have like a favorite animation style? Is there something oh. that you've is something that you've watched and you've said I'm I'm a big anime fan. Uh, I'm a big Don Bluth fan. A big Disney in the '90s fan. Is there any one in particular you look at and go, that's what I gravitate <laughs> towards? Hmm. Yeah, I actually think I do, but it's one a lot of people hate. Um, what is it, Bo? What is it? The <laughs> well, the, I know Pat's. I know Pat's gonna hate it, so go ahead. The Jim Carrey Christmas Carol that they did. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know if I know that one. They they basically filmed it, but then they drew over it. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't that one kind of similar to uh, the Polar Express? Yeah, similar, yeah. but uh, yeah, I guess that is similar to that. Polar Express has a different, has a softness to it that that one doesn't have, but okay. yeah. And it's been done in more movies than that. That's just the one that pops into my head. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's where they've shot live action, but then they've drawn over that live action. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people do not like it, my, my wife being one. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. What about you, John? What's uh, what's your animation style that you prefer? I 
they want to do everything in the style of Batman the Animated Series. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, if, they, if they wanted to do, um, you know, the Bruce Tim version of everything. In fact, that's I've, I've said that for a very long time. I know that there's the new on the Disney, well, it's probably all part of Disney Plus now, but it's the, um, the very little kids uh, cartoon of the Rocketeer is coming out. Mm-hmm. But I have always said that if they could get uh, um, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim to do a Rocketeer animated series, that style of kind of the the very retro, very you know kind of Art Deco type style, I, I think that would fit really really well because they they made that feel like it was a weird mixture of the '90s and the '40s, mm-hmm. and that would be perfect if they wanted to do a, a Rocketeer cartoon. And I feel like I saw somewhere one time I I, I googled it just to see if anybody had ever you know tried to come up with something like that and i guess somebody at one point did draw kind of a a a concept of what the characters would look like if they were done in that style and i just i remember sitting there looking at it going okay that's just that's really unfair now (laughs) because it's kind of it's it's kind of like bo you know when bo said about the check please it's like don't show me that because i'm just going to be hungry now yeah 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 so i i mm -hmm. So I would be I would be absolutely fine if they were to do like every cartoon in the style of Batman the animated series. Got it. Got it. So Pat, I know I should have probably given you like a week to think about this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay, gut reaction. Well, I'm just going to go with my favorite cartoons. I can't give you one. I mean, I love Transformers, so any of that like Japanese animation adapted kind of stuff, I really like the look of that. I really like the look of anime. Um so, I mean, just, you know, that, that stuff really kind of has a, has a cool look to it. So like the, the new adaptation, the Thundercats, the 2012 Thundercats or 2011 Thundercats, um, there was a show that my kids got into that there was only one or two seasons out. I got to look it up, look the name up, but I always thought that animation stuff, I didn't even say the name of it. I'm sorry. It's this new, it's like a samurai magician, magic kind of fantasy thing. And it just has it, it the very smooth – it looks like Japanese animation, um, but it's slightly different. And, I mean, that catches my eye. But like I said, I like Transformers. Uh, I'm really kind of story-driven. So if something sucks me in, I will like that animation style. I uh, – you know, watching the old Looney Tunes cartoons, yeah, I, I dig that. Watching the Animaniacs, I dig that animation style. Um, my ki- I've said this I don't know how many times my kids have gotten me completely hooked into how to train your dragon. I mean, I love those movies. So that animation style to me looks really cool. Um, I, I really, I, I don't know. It's kind of, it's story, it's story driven. You know what I'm saying? It's kind mm-hmm. of, I, I like it based on other things. So I, I really don't have a specific for you. Okay. All right. That's fine. I do have five questions for us. One of my actually one thing I was going to ask, but it's not one of the five questions, and I don't want it to go too negative. But is there a kind of dog, or is there a dog in a story somewhere, or a dog that you knew personally that you don't think would go to heaven? Nope, just owners. Okay. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I I thought of a dog in particular, one that used to chase me from the bus stop every day when I was a kid, and I, it probably I should put that on the owner and not on the dog. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure the dog wasn't trying to kill me, but, you know, it only had three legs and it freaked me out, so. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, we'll jump into our five questions then. He asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. What are you asking me for? I don't know. 
What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. And may God have mercy on your soul. This time around, our five questions loosely related to All Dogs Go to Heaven. So we'll start off here with question number one. What is your favorite movie or TV dog? And it could be animated or live action. Eddie from Frasier. Oh, good choice. That was that was one of my wife's answers as well. What about you, John? Uh, you know what? I I was trying to think of this, think through this too. I I almost went Eddie with Fra- Eddie from Frasier. Um, I might have gone with Murray from the TV show Mad About You. Okay. Um, but I think the one I got to go with is the one that I remember just watching these movies over, and we had them. We had a couple of them on the same VHS tape. And that thing, I, we must have worn the tape out. It must have just disintegrated at some point because we watched it so much. I think I got to go with Benji. Mm, those were so good. Solid. Benji was always, I think, my my favorite. If we're going to put on a dog movie or, or a movie featuring a dog. Now, I, I also had a really hard time because around about the same time, we used to watch over and over and over again um, the old black and white Shaggy Dog movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it's funny. I was just going to yeah. say Shaggy Dog. Yeah. So I, I I put that one up there too, but yeah. And I asked my kids about this one, and uh, Nora said that she would pick. Um, what did she say? Oh, she loves Garfield, so she picked Odie. Mm-hmm. And a uh, solid choice. There you go. And uh, John picked uh, Crypto from the Superman comic books and cartoons. Mm-hmm. Well played. Well played. What do you got, Pat? Okay, I don't got much. I mean, the Benji thing makes sense. Um, I'm watching Frasier. I'm two seasons into Frasier, so the dog from Frasier, you're exactly right. Uh, that's just, awesome. They just had so much fun with that as a – they had so much fun fixed. treating him as a character, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, you know, Hooch was awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. someone's going to say – I'm sure someone's going to say a dog that I just like – forget about and see that's that's kind of the thing is that there's so many of these dogs that i'm kind of like they're maybe even more like bit parts in movies you mm-hmm. know or there's but i i mean you know hooch i'll tell you the other one and it's it's kind of a it's kind of a cheat because i haven't seen the movie yet but if the movie is as good as they say and if the dog in the movie is portrayed like they portrayed in the book i gotta say enzo from the art of racing in the rain I mean, I, I, you know what? I don't even think that's a cheat because I love the book so much and everyone says the movie is, you know, a great representation of the book. So I'm going to, I'm going to say Enzo from how to, from the art of racing in the rain. Nice. I, I kind of thought you might go with that one. Yeah, I got it. I got to do that because, uh, he, he's, he's a cool character. That's Enzo's pretty special. Nice. All right, question number two. Have you ever owned a dog? If so, what breed? And if no, what breed would you want? Well, we had a German Shepherd growing up. And when I say growing up, I don't even really mean that. I think, gosh, I was three or four when he passed. It was really my dad's dog. But but the pictures and the little memories I have of him, he was a pretty cool dog. Cool. So, German Shepherd. We had uh, a mutt, Lizzie, when I was uh, from earliest memory. You know, I remember her when I was growing up. And then we got Buttons, um, which was Buttons was a cockapoo that mm-hmm. was was later on. I was pretty young. Um, uh, and cockapoo, what a great breed that was. And that was um, um, he was he was there. And then. Right about when I was in eighth grade, uh, Buttons, uh, unfortunately, uh, he passed and he went on to heaven there a little bit before his time. He got 
he got hit by uh, he got hit by a truck, mm-hmm. and you know, and that was kind of a that was kind of a rough deal. But then we got Rascal, um, and Rascal, who uh, I picked the name based off the turret ball turret gunner from Memphis Bell, and nice. uh, and uh, so Rascal and Rascal was a Rascal, and he was the companion eighth grade all the way up into one or two years of when I was teaching at Hawthorne. Rascal was another cockapoo, and he lived to be about eighteen years old. Wow. And I mean, he, you talk about like being emotionally attached to a a, a dog, and then the companion. Rascal was a was a very good companion. So that was that. And then my folks got another dog um, uh, for a little bit, like after I'd moved out and everything. But then he he passed, and they are now currently dogless. My sisters had a dog, and again, they they had a dog, and it was a wonderful dog. But then you know, he passed and that, and the, the, the passing was so emotional. My, none of my family has gotten a dog since, um, my in-laws all had dog, like growing up visiting Tammy, they had English sheep dogs and, um, now they have something, a Havanese, which is a great breed. It's smaller. It's not the big full English sheep dogs, but my, my parents-in-law have a Havanese and, and she's just a great little dog. And then, um, my sister-in-law's had a, a, a good number of dogs, um, Vishla's, and then uh, my my brother-in-law and sister-in-law have uh, like a, um, a a black lab, and they have a hound, um, kind of a mixed uh, a mixed hound. She's kind of she's up there. She might be might be passing soon. But yeah, there's been a lot of dogs. We we Tammy and I d- never chose to get a dog, and it's um, you know. It's funny because it's it seems like dog owners have become more extreme now. You know, it used to be you'd get a dog and it was a pet. And if I'm stepping on toes, I apologize. But now it's like my dogs are my kids. And and I, I just kind of noticed the other day that like I don't own a dog. And people were saying, well, you're not a dog person, right? And I said, well, no, I'm a dog person. Well, do you, you don't own a dog. No, I don't own a dog. But yeah, but you don't like dogs, right? I'm like, no, I like dogs. It seems like people kind of it's like, it's like our politics, right? You're either one of us or one of them. And, and it seems like it's becoming more extreme. Um, uh, but we just, we just never chose to get a dog cause we were never home enough. And then when we started having kids, it was, it was like, okay, we have kids. I don't think we need to do kids and a dog all at once. It, and again, we're just, we're just never home. I just don't think it would be fair to the animal to like, wake up, let the dog out and then not see it for eight hours, nine hours, and then come, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I like dogs. It's just our lifestyle. I don't think would do justice for having a dog. And I suppose if I ever got a dog, I mean, the, the cockapoos have been great breeds. The Havanese have been great breeds. Um, you know, I, I often think like a bulldog would be fun. Something, I don't know. I'd almost want something big and leggy that I could take running, you know, out on the trails would be kind of fun. So yeah, sorry, a little too long for five questions, but that's kind of my feeling with dogs. Yeah, yeah. No, we never owned dogs. Um, I actually, I was terrified of dogs from a pretty young age because I had a pack of dogs in our neighborhood chase me when I was a little kid. That'll do it. And so I just was completely terrified of them. Now, the only one growing up, and I remember being around this dog all the time, I I must not have even thought about it as a dog because otherwise I was terrified of every other dog. But my grandparents had a dog, was a collie. Mm-hmm. And it looked, I remember it looked exactly like Lassie and, um, you know, just loved that dog. Um, Nikki was that dog's name. And, mm-hmm. and I just remember I, I must've, as a kid, I must not have even thought of it as a dog because any other, if you even mentioned the word dog, I tensed up and freaked out, but that dog I was totally fine with. Um, now as I got older, 
I obviously got over all that. And um, if I was going to own one today, we've, we've kind of, we we're never home enough again to kind of same, same kind of thing. We're never really home enough yeah. for it. So we'd, we'd feel bad of, you know, to get one and then keep it inside all day when we're not around. Mm-hmm. If, if I, I was to get one, I think uh, we've kind of gone back and forth between some kind of, if it was a smaller dog, it'd be something like a little, one of those little like Scotty dogs mm-hmm. um, or I've always liked beagles. So I would definitely ah. a beagle if it was going to be kind of a small to medium sized dog. If I was going to get a bigger one, I think I'd go German shepherd. Yeah. I've always, always, always liked the German shepherds. That's what my, my dad had um, a German shepherd growing up and, and he always loved that dog. Um, so I think if I was going to do a big one, I'd probably do a German shepherd. Mm-hmm. All right, question number three. Um, we've watched these two movies uh, within kind of the last couple of years. So All Dogs Go to Heaven or Oliver and Company? Which one do you like better? I think Oliver and Company for me. I think that's my answer too. I think it's got the more yeah. coherent story. It's got, I think the music um, at least is more what I would look for in a, in a cartoon with music. Um, and it's got Billy Joel. So I was just going to say, I think we mentioned Billy Joel earlier. I think mm. he makes it. Yeah. It's just a totally different film because of it mm-hmm. and i think more of the characters are i think the characters are more memorable in oliver and company like i can i can picture the cast of characters that are in that movie in this movie i i got Anne marie i got itchy i got charlie and then beyond that i, I start to lose who's who and you know there were a lot of characters but I, I don't remember their names and as much as i enjoyed all dogs go to heaven i I just think Oliver and Company is just a stronger, maybe a more solid movie overall. All right, question number four. We've already kind of talked about this one a little bit. If this was remade today, what do you think would be different? And and I think we've talked about it a little bit. And and my answer was going to be what I think a couple. Of, I think you guys have already said um, probably less gangsters, a little bit less smoking, you know, a little bit less grim and gritty death stuff. Yeah, depending on the audience, I think actually if they made it today, they might put that devil scene there, the hell scene back in. Mm-hmm. depending mm-hmm. on the goal audience. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think I, I, my big thing was the, the gangster thing seemed a little dated. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think they would just pick if they're trying to show like the dark underbelly, you know, I think they would pick like a different group to do that. A, a different group of people. I just don't think we're, it seems like back then we were almost into more of that retro stuff. You know, we were into that. We were right on the cusp of swingers and that whole like swing revival that came out in the nineties. We were fascinated with the thirties and the forties and that whole thing. I mean, like you said, like the rocketeer movie and all that Um, the, the Indiana Jones thing was coming. Like that was all set back in that time. Um, Look at Star Trek. I mean, how many times, you know, Captain Picard fell into the Dick's Hill thing, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. it, in, you know, and I mean, um, Deep Space Nine, there's a whole character that's a hologram of like a lounge act, you know, and the and you get the mobsters. And I mean, that whole thing with Quark and he's always dealing with that like seedy criminal group. Do you know what I'm saying? I just don't mm-hmm. think that's I don't think that's as vibrant now. So I think we would pick, you know, another group to uh another group to show i think charlie would be a uh a, he would have his own startup and he'd be doing his own like social media company for dogs but he's mm-hmm. he's he's heartless and he needs redemption and then he dies and then he gets the chance to come back and redeem himself and honestly i don't i think society is so much of an us versus them 
kind of thing in terms of there aren't like the good guys and the bad guys. It's like one half of society thinks the other half of society is evil. And I, I just don't think our movies have that as much anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure, you know, sure. Like the uh, Marvel and the Avengers and all that kind of stuff is, you know, there's a good guy and a bad guy, but so much of it is, you know, look at like civil war. I mean, that was about two of the good guys fighting against each other. I can't even mm-hmm. remember who the bad guy was in that one. You know, yeah. look at, you know, in, anyways, I'm kind of going off on a tangent. But, yeah, I just think they would have to rework that because I just don't think there's that much of the criminal underground kind of thing. All right, some we, of our some of our villains are a little more ambiguous now. Yeah. All right. And the last one, I guess. Uh, question number five. What's your favorite movie that deals with the theme of forgiveness or redemption? And this, and this is where I said my I, I said it from the very beginning. This may be very French tonight because my two options that I wrote down, uh, I realized are both French stories. Um, I guess one's maybe kind of a mixture of French and Italian a little bit. Um, so I wrote down the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, that was on my list. And, and specifically the 2002 one because I love that mm-hmm. movie. Great movie. Uh, and then Les Misérables. And you can ah. just do any version you want of that. I'll go with the 2012 one, but. Um, yeah, I, I'd go with either one of those. Also on my list. Mm-hmm. But the one I chose, I'm surprised you didn't choose, John. V for I, Vendetta. Oh. See, I, I had that on my list. But it was, I was like, I, I forced myself. I See, I ended up with two. I tried to force myself to one, and that was the best I could do. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, that was definitely on my list, too. <sighs> I, uh, boy, I don't know, man. I'm I'm struggling with that. Um, so I'm going to say this and I'll, I'll just, you know, spoiler alert. I'm not going to say any more because I know you need to finish reading the books, but I'm just going to say the Harry Potter series. Okay. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm surprised you didn't go with like Top Gun because he has to forgive himself after Goose dies. And You know what? That, that I should have gone Top Gun. It's late. <laughs> no, it's late and I'll get wound up and talk about Top Gun for an hour and we'll never get this bloody thing done. That's that's true too. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it this time. Uh, that's going to do it for All Dogs Go to Heaven. So if you want to check out more about the show, you can find us at 30podcast.com, at 30podcast on Twitter. If you want to call the voicemail line, 872-356-6843. But you can find all this stuff if you just go over to 30podcast.com. Um, our next episode's coming up. Next week, we're going to be looking at Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, I'd like to say it's going to be a shorter episode, but probably not. Um, mm-hmm. Pun mm-hmm. intended, but, you know. Just a little I'll, less dense, less empty space. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll see myself out after that pun. Um, and then sometime soon, Jeff and I are still trying to coordinate this because he really wanted to do the Little Mermaid episode. So with him going off soon to do the whole uh, new daddy thing, um, we wanted to try to fit that in somewhere. So we're going to have a Little Mermaid episode this month, but it may be two weeks from now. It may be three weeks from now. We'll We'll see. We'll get it in there. Um, and then we're going to finish off this month with Little Monsters at the end of September, which then will push us right on into October. Uh, and we'll be looking at Celia, which is an Australian horror movie, uh, Pet Cemetery, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Leviathan, and Shocker. Those will be our movies coming up. If we have time, we may throw in an It Chapter 2, uh, The Joker. I think we're going to try to do one on that one if we go see it. And then maybe uh, we'll do one... F- or Zombieland Double Tap. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up in the next, you know, maybe month, two months or so um, that will be thrown out your way. So uh, so thank you, gentlemen, for being here. We'll see you back here next week. So thank you both. Thank you, Pat. 
Thank you, John. Be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies.